0: Everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Comedy Podcast. I am your host, Brian April, and as usual, all of our episodes are available to listen to on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on Spotify. Uh, you can also watch the video versions of this show on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, comments about this episode or about the videos or what you'd like to see, put them in the comments below and we will check it out. If you want to reach out to me personally, you can follow me on youtube.com comedybrian Facebook.com slash Comedy Brian, and live stream three times a week on Twitch, uh, so you can reach out and you can interact with me personally, live and in person, uh, well, at least on stream, at Twitch.com slash Comedy Brian. We're going to get into it today. Uh, My guest today is a very, very funny comedian. Uh, You've uh, seen him on... uh, He's on Comedy Central, he's been on Comedy Central. He's got a brand new album out called uh, "Scheduled Fun Time." He performs all over the world. He's very, very funny. Please welcome Mr. Grant, Lion Grant. Hey, thanks, Hi, man. sir. Yeah, Here, pleasure. Yeah. Um, so. What what I what I love to start off was uh, talk a little bit about uh, working with you. What I love about your act. Uh, now we've done uh, we've done. Oh, do you want to compliment me? Thank you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, and one of my my favorite things uh, about you as a performer. Is that you're always working on something new? You're always working, and I, I think that's amazing. Every show, you are trying a new joke, you're trying a new, you know, new edit, a new tweak, whatever. Um, but your act is extremely funny. Uh, you, you. you I watch you just kill time after time after time. You, uh, you're very smart, you're very clever writing, and um, it's just you can tell, um, from watching you that you're a real craftsman of of comedy and that you really take pride in what you do and i absolutely just love love watching you, Thank uh, you and you have one of my favorite all-time bits ever which is the uh your friend who is a uh a recovering sex addict which you don't have to do the bit um but um still have to check out uh, check you out in person or or uh, maybe your cd i'm not sure if it's on that cd it's, or not
1: no, it's not on that album but it, hopefully it'll be on the next album i do
0: Okay, wow. so you have to check out Grant and uh, see him, and uh, you'll hear this amazing, amazing bit.
1: Uh, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, man, I
0: love, I love your act. I love uh, you as a person. You're great, and uh, just cool. very, very happy you could join us, man. I've, I'm yeah. honestly, it's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a brutal industry. So it's
1: nice when you meet other cool, nice people. So I appreciate that about you, and thank you for saying all that stuff. Oh, my uh, pleasure. And and I legitimately do. You know, I mean you talk about writing a bunch, I think one of my favorite things about comedy is just figuring out the puzzle of a new joke, right? Like, that's one of the reasons I'm always writing stuff is just because I really enjoy like figuring out, it's like, okay, well that part of the joke's really hitting but this part's not, so do I move that forward or do I cut that and add something in? Do I rewrite that punchline? Maybe the setup's working, but I need a different example here. You know, it's just mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think people realize like how much thought goes into the crafting of a joke, right? It's Right. Sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes right? <laughs> you, you go up and it's just like, "Oh, that killed." That yeah. Right. But I feel like that's less common than having to like Figure it out over a month or two.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's rewind a, a little bit. Uh, let's go back to uh, the beginning. What inspired you to do standup? Um, you know, I was always uh, the
1: class clown or whatever like that. I I, uh, I led my uh, high school class of detentions. You know, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't a bad kid. I was just a kid that like instead of paying attention in class, I'd literally sit across the room and make faces at other people and try to get them to laugh and (laughs) stuff like that. Right. But I also felt like I was, I don't know, decently unoriginal, right, when I was in high school. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just like my being funny was using a Simpsons quote at the right time or a bit from Monty Python or stuff like that. And it wasn't until I got to college, I, I didn't really even know that stand-up was a thing. Like, the closest I got to stand-up was watching Saturday Night Live when I was in high school, right? And I remember even seeing, you know, Chris Rock hosting it and not even getting that his opening monologue was stand-up. I was just like, this opening monologue is so good. And it's <laughs> so much funnier than some of them are. right. I still didn't, it still didn't click like, oh, because he was just doing bits and jokes that he has already worked on. Uh, And so when I got to college, my roommate played Mitch Hedberg's first album for me. Um, And it was the first time I'd ever heard a comedy album. And really, I'm lucky that that's a great album. You know, the uh, strategic uh, grill locations. what is it, Strategic Grill Marks? Now I'm forgetting it. But it's a great album. And so, you know, it's like if I had been... If the first album I would ever heard had been a terrible album, I, who knows what I'd be doing right now. But hearing that album and I was like, man, this is amazing. Like I had no idea that you could just have a job telling jokes and making people laugh. And so I, I listened to that album so much, I memorized the whole thing. And I would... I was still doing the thing that I did in high school where I was getting laughs because I was pulling out a Mitch Hedberg joke around my friends at mm-hmm. times, you know? and I, Because I, I memorized that whole album, I could be quick at parties to like, you know, do a bit of his and that sort of stuff. And enough people were like, man, you should like actually try this yourself. And for a few months, I probably was like, no, 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 I can't do it myself. I'm only funny because I'm doing other people's stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and enough people said it that finally, like, you just start noticing things in your life, and you're like, "Oh, that's that's kind of funny." And mm-hmm. you know, and then it just grew from there.
0: Wow! So that's that's crazy. I mean, that Mitch Hedberg was the uh, the first stand up like album yeah. that you heard, and that was in college. It's crazy. Yeah. My
1: parents didn't listen to stand up at all. You know, they just like it's like, yeah, I knew who Richard Pryor was. I knew. Right. George Carlin was, but I knew them because of movies that they were in and stuff, not because of stand-up.
0: You huh. Know? that's it. Yeah, I, it's we just a very bit like I was introduced to stand-up I think at like ten years old, and it was yeah. like my family we watched all the time, and so like I followed from like the eighties boom all the way up, and so yeah. I had so no interest that. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. That's really cool. Um, <laughs> so, do you remember your first show that you did? Well, it's a, uh, it's sort
1: of weird. I don't know what to consider my first show. So, when I was a sophomore in college, I got, uh, I was on my soccer team at my college, uh, and the first time I ever told jokes of my own writing was on a tour bus with my college soccer teammates, and I just stood up at the front of the bus for like 10 minutes and told jokes because all of them have been telling me to write some jokes. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know. Is that my first show? (laughs) Like it doesn't feel like it. Uh, and then, um, and then, you know, so this is what I consider my start. So that was probably, that was like the end of fall of my sophomore year of college. And then the rest of that year of college, I did it. I did, you know, stand up maybe six times or whatever. Like I'd do it at a house party, literally where everybody would be like, "Everybody, shut up! Grant's gonna tell jokes for ten minutes," and I would stand on a couch (laughs) at a house party and tell jokes. Uh, And then I went home for the summer to Sacramento, and the local comedy club had an open mic. So that was the first time I ever performed, like, not on campus in front of my friends. Okay. And what was that like for you? Um, Well, I didn't know how anything worked, right? So it's like, boy, you know, I went in, I signed up for the open mic, and I didn't get on. And they were like, hey, if you sign up for the comedy class here, you're guaranteed to get a spot on the open mic every week. And I was like, oh, I guess that's how it works. So I started doing the comedy class. And then the first few times up on that, show i crushed and then a bunch of my friends from high school wanted to come see me so i invited them all at the end of the summer and of course that was the show that i ate it and like, <laughs> i think all my friends were like "Ooh, he's trying to do this like maybe maybe not <laughs> you know i had been doing well all summer and then that was like the worst and i just remember being so embarrassed and like Oh, I can't face these people ever again. Like yep. I'm moving to Montana, you
0: know. Do you find because um, for me, I find way more pressure uh, performing when I know there, there are people I know in the audience as opposed to oh,
1: for sure. because because you care about their opinion, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You, you and I have been doing comedy long enough that it's it's not like we don't care about the audience. But it's also like we have the confidence of thousands of shows under our belt, and so if an audience doesn't laugh, it doesn't bother me that much anymore. Because it's kind of like, look, I, I'm not trying to be like cocky, but like I, I've beta tested this a long time, and I know <laughs> that I'm decent at it, and yeah. so i I more feel. Sorry for them. Like, I'm. I'm sorry you guys made the wrong decision with your evening, and I'm sorry that this isn't working for you. But it doesn't really bother me personally. But that all changes when there's people in the audience that I care about their opinion, right? And I'm like, right. Oh
0: boy, I want. I want this to go well. <laughs> yeah. You know? Exactly, and it's it's funny. It's and again, it's not like you're not caring about the audience, but it's like uh you do. You do feel bad, and you go, man, I'm sorry. I wish you know. I wish I had said something that made you laugh or whatever like that, but yeah. it's not, you know, like, oh, I wish I could have, you know, been what you were looking for or, or whatever. But, uh, but, but I, don't yes. I don't know if you were like this. I mean, in my first,
1: probably two years of comedy, when a show would go badly, I'd like go cry in my car. And like, <laughs> I mean, legitimately I cried yeah. in my car, but I, like, I cannot believe that now looking back on it, I'm like, man, I can't believe I kept doing this. This yeah. thing, this made me cry at least once a month.
0: And I said, like, I want more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if I ever cried in my car. I mean, there, oh. there are times of just absolute pure devastation. Absolutely. Yeah. Where, you know, taking long subway, you know, rides back to, to my car to drive an hour. I had a, a really terrible show that was about three and a half hours out from my uh, my house. And I just absolutely one of my worst shows ever. And um uh, I just remember driving home and I just called a friend of mine. I'm like, what am I doing? I don't even know what yeah. I'm doing. It was just it was the longest three and a half hour car ride home after yeah. a terrible show. Well,
1: so nowadays,
0: when a show goes really badly, there's two
1: things. If a show is bad, I'm like disappointed, but I'm not crushed like I was. And if a show is epically bad, I think it's hilarious and I'm like, "Man, this is going to be a story to tell." Yeah. Like that doesn't yeah. bother me. When a show is extremely bad, you're like, "Well, <laughs> I, this has nothing to do with me, right?" This is right. Like crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, you almost remove the uh, the personal aspect of it. And especially when you go into it knowing it's going to be epically bad or you're yeah. you're there and you see it unfolding, you see the uh, the train wreck unfolding before your eyes and you're like, it takes all the pressure off at that totally. point, it's like, all right, well, we'll just yep. do what you can. <laughs> yeah, and while you're up there, sure, it's a struggle. you know, you're like, oh, man, I wish this was going better. How much time do I have to do and all that sort of stuff, but it yeah, yeah there's there's something about that that just takes that that angst out, from totally. that. yeah, it's so funny. Um, so how long did it take for things to start to like click for you so that you started to get consistently, you know, uh, good shows?
1: i I would say you know, about three years. Um, You know, my first couple of years, I was in college. So I don't know how seriously I was taking it, right? I I really enjoyed doing it. And I was doing it multiple days a week. So it's not like I wasn't involved in comedy at all. But I don't think it was till like, January of my senior year of college that I was like, Oh, I gotta do something after college. Like, (laughs) what's that gonna be? And I think that's when it really started, you know, kind of clicking for me, where I was like, oh, I'm going to put in the work. I'm going to, like, I'm going to really take this seriously. Like, before it was kind of a fun thing that I was doing, but I don't know that I ever thought of it as a potential career. Mm -hmm. And only until that, like, senior year of college was I was like, oh, okay. And I also think then over the next two years after that, you know, it's – when you say clicked, it's it's like a hard thing, right? Because comedy, there is no one thing anymore, right? There's, right. there's no like, that was your break, you know, or it just that just doesn't exist in, in the world anymore. And so it's like that, that process of clicking probably really happened over a two year period. And I think some of the things that were like, uh, you know, demarcation lines in that clicking process were, one, like when you started going, okay, I don't want to just write what I think the audience is going to find funny. I'm, mm-hmm. I am I want to write what I think is funny and make it funny to the audience, right? Mm-hmm. Like I still want to be funny, but it's not, you know, in the first couple of years, it's a lot of like, well, what are they going to laugh at, you know? and And then that process of clicking is like when you're like, no, no, no. This is what I find interesting. This is what I want to talk about. Let me make that relatable and funny to the audience. I'm starting right. to position more of like what do what do I think's interesting and you know and sometimes there are things that I think are interesting that the audience is like, "Nope, we don't." And then <laughs> and then you drop that bit, right? But right. starting from that place. And I can really tell um, When I was about four years into comedy, there is like, I have a real, um, I had a real epiphany moment where I was, you know, it was, I was, I probably started getting on the road, maybe like three years into comedy and just featuring bad one-nighters out of town and that sort of stuff. And I was up in, I was doing a casino, middling in a casino in Oregon, probably like four years into comedy. And they hated me, right? And and it was at a time where over the previous six months had really been that time, the year to six months had really been that time where I was like, well, I'm writing what I wanna talk about and trying to make that work instead of just writing the dumb things that I don't care about, but that I right. used to write. And I remember, you know, it was a sh- casino that had two shows and I went into the green room I, I mean, I ate it. That first show, I got three laughs in 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I went into the green room and I cried. I cried. I'm a crier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I cried. And I remember sitting there and going, all right, this is like, this is a moment I have to decide right now. Who am I going to be as a performer? I have a second show to do. Am I going to go out? and do the material that i believe in that will be better in the long run or do i go out and do the stuff i don't care about just in the hopes that i get some laughs and and i sat and i thought about it for 30 minutes you know and finally i decided like well i want to stay true to who i am as a performer and what what i believe in and That's what finding a voice is, right? Mm -hmm. Like you gotta Mm -hmm. find you have to find your voice and and you know it and so I, I went back up on the second show and I bombed on the second show too, but I did the material that I believed in and I bombed and loved every minute of it. I was, like, so proud of
0: myself. I'm bombing and just being like, this is great. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know? So uh, let me ask you, during that – in between that first and second show, when you're back in the, the green room and you're crying, and uh, do you hear, like, the headliner just, like, crushing oh, it out crush. there? Crushing. Just, <laughs> just, just adds that extra, like, yep. punch down on your ego. Because yeah. if he's doing – you know, if he's doing – Okay, you're bad. Then you're like, yeah. all right, at least it's not me. But when
1: yeah, totally when, no, when you bomb
0: and that everyone else oh, is boy. doing great, that is it such sure. that is so bad. That's such a, a terrible, uh, terrible yeah. feeling. Not a great, not a great time. <laughs> no, but but it's interesting. You talk about you know writing, um, you know about things that that you want to do uh, versus what that you want to talk about versus trying to just get laughs. And I think it's it, it happens a lot so much for um, comics, especially in the beginning, because you're desperate for that laugh because oh, we don't right. know. Yeah, you know, we don't know the methods. And so you just want to hear that. And then once, sure. and then like once you start getting consistent laughs with things and you start to go, OK, this is kind of how things work. I think then it starts to switch in your brain like, is this really what I want to talk about?
1: Yeah. And, I yeah, I agree that it's a process for everybody. Nobody's coming right out of the gate being like, I've got the most original voice you've ever heard.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or if they do, it's pretty twisted and yeah, uh, yeah. And very, very weird. So um, what was the best piece of advice that you received about uh, comedy? About comedy?
1: I think it wasn't about performing, but in a, a piece of advice I've always tried to – keep in my mind, and I wish I could remember who even said this, and I I can't, but somebody said to me early on in my performing career, the hardest thing for people to do in the entertainment business is walk through the doors that open to them when they aren't the doors they expected to open. Hmm. You know, and so I've always tried to keep that in mind and and take advantage of opportunities that come. You know, it's like, right? Uh, an analogy of that is like, well, what if your dream was to be on Saturday Night Live, right? And a different TV show, show comes and they're like, "Hey, we want you to be us be one of the the leads on this TV show," and you're like, "No, no, no, I'm holding out for Saturday Night Live," right? And you're like, "Boy, that's not a that's not a good way to lead your." career because this is a weird industry and you don't know what's happening with right. it you know and and so i always try to do that of just like keep creating good things and then walk through the doors that are open to me
0: huh that's really good advice that's re- i've never uh, I've never heard that actually that's really good advice yeah um, so what is, uh, is a good question? I love this question too. What is your writing process like? I can see you have a, a little board behind you, triple boards behind yeah,
1: you. Yeah. That's actually a script, uh not okay. stand-up. So that I oh, work okay. on. Yeah. Um, but my stand up process is, you know, I go in here and I put a little note, right? Whenever I have something that um hits uh hits my brain, you know, whether it's just walking around thinking or talking to somebody and that sort of stuff. I got all these little things, and there are just really s- snippets, right? I mean, some of them are like if I look through this, uh, uh, super tasting makes it seem like you have superpowers, but really it means you complain about everything. Like that's not a joke I have ever said on stage, right? This is right. just full of tons of little things. I don't wear cologne because every man in a cologne commercial is gorgeous. Like, and I'm not gorgeous. Right. Just like dumb little things. And then some of these become jokes. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I take it, I take it from there and I'll like look through these. um, And I'll go, okay, that's like an interesting idea. Like, you know, I would say less than half of these ever make it into my notebook. And then I go from here to a notebook and I actually really hand write out everything. Uh, There's just something to me about the like process of writing it down. You know, I know some people like type it in their computer and things like that, but there's just something like creative and old school about just like writing it in my uh, notebook. Um, And then usually I'll take, so I usually write a version of it in my notebook before I take it to stage. And then I take it to stage, but I don't really memorize what's in my notebook. I don't – I write it down, and I don't sit there and go, okay, 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 this. It's like I write it all down, but then I kind of just remember the bullet points of it because I want to see how it comes out naturally, right? Mm -hmm. And and then, you know, sometimes when you're on stage, it's like, okay, this bit has five parts. But when I'm on stage, I can only remember these these three parts – Well, so those are the three parts that I like the best, right? Because those are the ones that came to me when I was on stage. Uh, And then, so I'm like a big rewriter then. So I go on and I'll rewrite the same bit in my notebook three or four times, just, you know, different pages and all that sort of stuff where I'm really trying to go, okay, like, I like that part. Uh, Here's some. here's a note in the margin where I'm like, I'm going to move this up here uh and that sort of thing you Mm.
0: know yeah it's interesting i am uh similar i agree with you there's something i think it does something i think they showed studies of about like when you physically write it out by hand versus typing it or or something i don't know if there's a a memory uh component to it but there's there's something different that happens to your brain uh when you write it out by hand so i like to do that too but i usually will um uh I kinda similar process, but I'll say it out loud, um, you know, five, ten times to kind of get that the marbles out and edit yeah, it yeah. the way we normally do. And then I write it down. Okay. So I just kind of like flip it uh slightly and then that way it's it's kinda of a little bit more in my style, and then I kind of memorize it and go, Here are my bullet points. And as long as and you know this, as long as you nail the punchline, you can kind of stumble your way through the the setup.
1: Yeah. And you know. honestly if as long as you put it in the middle of your set, nobody's going to remember it, anyways, right? Exactly,
0: exactly. You that's strong, and, uh, you
1: end strong. You got the middle to play around with stuff.
0: Exactly, and and that's what a, a lot of uh. This is for for comedians in this uh, this podcast, it's also not. It's also for just people who like comedy. Yeah. So What what comics will do? Uh, why do you wedge it in the middle uh, of of your set? Because
1: literally, I need to start strong for them to be on my side and i need for them to end strong i need to end strong for them to leave happy and nobody remembers really what happens in the middle if if yep. they get on board with you at the beginning and they leave happy i've already done my job right yep. so if if i've got if i'm doing 30 minutes well i got 10 or 15 minutes in the middle that i can play around with you know and mm-hmm. yeah i mean you can't just literally drive the show into the ground <laughs> You know, people are going to remember that if you were like, did a funny 10 minutes and then you were like, okay, grrr. but hopefully, you know, hopefully <laughs> you're trying new stuff and some of it works, right? I've, I've, gotten to the, I've gotten to the point of my career now where it's like, definitely not everything I do works, but also some of it does <laughs> like yeah. when I do new stuff, you know? Yeah,
0: it's it's never like a complete uh yeah. like well that didn't work at all yeah because yeah. you learn you know you learn what works for you what works in your voice and you have things you go oh when i used to do this bit and I kind of said it this way that that always gets a laugh when i say it like this so let me yeah punch line and say it like this but so, yeah, yeah there, there's things of that <clears throat> and then uh the other thing too is even if you just have a joke or two you just kind of wedge it in between two proven jokes totally so that you go into it strong, and then if it dips, you can come right back out. Uh, but if it doesn't dip and it hits, you just keep moving on. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's interesting that, you know, you have to build up that that trust and respect in the beginning. Yeah. And uh, I see people come out and do new, new material, new jokes right up front. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. And,
1: I, and, and to me, there's a difference between... Brand new material and newish material that you know is working, right? Yeah, I'll I'll open with new material that I'm excited about, but it's stuff I've been doing for a couple of months and I know it's working, so it still feels like new material to me, but it's not that like brand new. I don't know if it gets any laughs.
0: Yeah, Yeah, this is my first time saying it on stage and I'm opening with it. Yeah, Yeah. no, I don't know. (laughs) don't don't do that (laughs) yeah um so now my my favorite question of this whole series what was your worst show ever
1: i mean legitimately this is like a hard thing to pick because uh i have a bunch so let me just give you uh the honorable mentions Uh, okay in in and then i'll tell you my worst show so uh, honorable mention, I had a, a semi-professional wrestler come on the stage and knee me in the groin while I was on stage. There is, there is video of that on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> not a guy I knew at all. Honorable mention, uh, an old guy, I had a joke once upon a time about how there are people in the world that deny that the Holocaust um, ever happened. And an old guy started yelling at me in German from the show, from the audience, and I was like, man, is this guy like an ex-Nazi? And he came up and took a swing at me on stage, but he was like 88, so it was like really slow and stuff. That's an honorable mention. (laughs) Another honorable mention, uh, Cuyahoga Falls, uh, Ohio, Uh, people started yelling racial slurs at each other from across the audience. Oh my gosh. (laughs) She having nothing (laughs) and not not being involved in it at all. Uh, So yeah, that's what I mean. These are just honorable mentions. They don't even, I could tell you the full story of those, but you're not even going to get them. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I would say the worst show I ever did, and I have to preface it by saying about a month before I did this show, I had done like an over 60, like living um, community show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it was an older audience, but they were still like hip and fun, right? They're like drinking wine and, and you know, playing golf and stuff like that. And, and it ended up being a great show. And so only a few weeks after that, my buddy had been like, hey, I'm trying to do this show at a retirement home. Are you interested? And I was like, Oh, yeah, that one was fun. Sure, I'll come do this. And he was like, It's at five o'clock, which is literally when they're eating dinner, and you'll be performing in the cafeteria, the dining hall. And I was like, Yeah, okay. And and when I get there, I mean, it's it's not like a retirement home. It's like a nursing home, right? Oh, where, okay. Like, where people are like, um, at the end of their lives, and and um. There, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong. It's just maybe not a place for a show. Um, and so I, I'm sitting there. And uh, and legitimately, one of the first things I hear, I, I come in and I'm just sitting in the lobby, like not sure who I'm supposed to talk to or whatever. Because my buddy's like, it's his show. And then he's like, I can't make it. So the lady set you up. And so I'm like, I don't know who the lady is. So I'm just like sitting here hoping... That someone's going to be like, who's this guy that doesn't know what to do, right? Uh, and and I see, and one of the nurses is leading an old, gen- older gentleman into the um, di- dining room. And, you know, this is probably my filter where I'm like, whoa, this is not what I expected. And the nurse is going, are you ready to die tonight? Like <laughs> saying it really loudly to him are you ready to die tonight? And I was like, what, a, what is this? <laughs> and I realized afterwards that she was saying, are you ready to dine tonight? She was leading him to the dining room. But I just walked in with such this filter. I was like, that's what I heard. Uh, and um, so I'm just sitting there waiting. And and finally the lady's like, oh, are you the comedian? And I'm like, yeah, like what's, what's the story? And she was like, okay, in the storage room, there are the speakers and the stuff like that. So if you could just go carry them into the room. And I was like, oh, okay, I, you just need me to, like, set it up? All right. So, you know, I wasn't right. that, but I'm not above helping out. And so I'm, like, carrying the speakers in. She has me set them. There's no stage or anything like that, right? There's no stage whatsoever. And the room is, like, an L. So imagine, you know, it's, like – Imagine it's like this, and uh, I'm performing like right here. So there's like a whole wing of the room that can't really see me because, you know, it's cut off. Mm-hmm. But they put me right here, uh, and you know, I'm, I'm they supposed to start at five, and it's like five ten, and and I like I'm like, hey, you know, um, when do we start the show to the lady? And she's like, oh yeah, just go start it. And I was like, oh, you don't. There's no like introduction or. And she's like, no, 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 just just go started. So I just walk up. And mind you, nobody knows that this is about to happen, right? There's, right. there's been no flyers <laughs> or announcements or anything like this. So I just am like, hey, everybody, I'm a comedian. And I'm going to entertain you. And nobody wants me there. Uh, and probably like five minutes into my <laughs> set, this woman stands up and plugs her ears and it's just like shaking her head, but not making any noise. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, ma'am. They've paid me to be here. Like I, I I get it that this is not working for anybody, but they've paid, they've paid for me. So I kind of have to keep going. Uh, and then that same lady, she gives me another five minutes. And then she walks. And remember, there's no stage. So I'm just standing on the floor with everybody else. This same woman that plugged her ears walks up to me and just starts holding a cloth napkin in front of my face. (laughs) But, like, not touching me, but just standing like a foot away from me and just covering my face with a napkin. I'm like, I'm still here. I'm I'm sorry. You know, lifting up this napkin. And I'm like, I'm sorry. And she's not making, she's not saying anything. She's just holding it and moving it. I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't know what you want from me. I, I can't really stop. And she's not saying Then She just keeps doing it. And finally she throws the napkin down on the ground and storms out of the room. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to do here. Uh, and uh, the woman who's like running the show comes back in now, I'm like 15 minutes into my hour-long set, uh, and she comes back in, and she's like, hey, we've gotten some complaints that people can't see you, so can we move the stage over here? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, like right now? And she's like, yeah, yeah, just stop, and then she's like yeah, carrying the speakers and stuff to another part of the room, and I'm <coughs> part of my time, right? This this counts. So I get five minutes and I move everything over and mind you, I've gotten like maybe one chuckle from like a 50-year-old woman who was there visiting her parents. You know, that's like the only laugh I've gotten the whole time. And so, you know, I move the stage and then I like uh, you know, I keep going, right? And I'm trying to like talk to people and stuff and like People aren't responding, so you can't even do crowd work. And you're like, all right, I guess. But there's one guy that's sitting in the new front row, right? He wasn't in the first front row, but now he's in the new front row because we moved the stage. And he's not laughing. He's never laughing. But every time I hit a punchline, he's kind of going, you know, like that. And I'm like, okay, like I'm killing with this guy. Yeah, yeah. Close as I'm getting to a laugh, like this guy is nodding at the points where there is supposed to be laughter. So then I like at one point I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna like talk to this guy, right? And so I'm like, I'm like, I do not have any kids. Do you have any kids, sir? And uh, and his response to me, like, do you have any kids, sir? First time he's made any noise, he goes, You belong in the garbage. <laughs> <I'm> like, oh. <laughs> Oh, I'm, like I didn't realize. And he was like, oh, this is terrible. I don't know why they would ever do this here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. I get it. This isn't good for me either. Like, this is bad for everybody. And then so then, like, now I'm still probably got 20 minutes left in the set. And so now, uh every time I just like, I was like, at this point, I'm just trying to like get through it and make it fun for myself, right? So every time I'm like, oh, I love basketball. Sir, do you like basketball? <laughs> and then he'd be like, yeah. And I'd be like, whoa, looks like we got something in common. You and I are kind of alike. And he'd be like, ah. <laughs> and so I just kept trying to point out all the ways he and I were similar. And then yeah. every time he was just like, ah.
0: <laughs>
1: and so like, you know. I did. I did it. I did an hour on that stage. I probably got three laughs in an hour, uh, and then got my hundred dollars and left. You know? Yeah. All of that for a hundred dollars.
0: Oh, that's hysterical. Yeah. I love. I love the fact that he was like hate nodding along to your punchlines yeah, the whole time, just like that's terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, uh, for a hundred dollars, and that just shows what we will do for a hundred dollars. It's so funny. We we go through I go through all these stories with people, and um and, and I, I forget uh there's an, an old uh older comic. I am trying to remember who it was, it was a famous comic. And he goes, We just never realize we can just say no. Like it never yeah. it never crosses our mind that yeah, like yeah. no, I'm not gonna do this, you know. Like <laughs> yeah. you, you get there and you like. All right, let's let's <laughs> let's just march right in. Yeah, yeah.
1: I know. That's, I'm trying to see if I've ever said no to a show once I'm there. I, have, I don't think I've ever said no to a show, but I have done a whole show without telling any jokes. Really? Like, I did this one show, and I was only supposed to do 10 minutes. And, I mean, it was just – I mean, it was just a – I was like a horror, like people were just like angry at people on stage and the host was wearing rollerblades. He had rollerbladed and forgotten his shoes. So he was hosting the show. And so literally for 10 minutes, I just sang on stage our host is wearing rollerblades at a comedy show (laughs) wearing rollerblades at a comedy. And I did that for, and everybody was like booing and yelling. And I was like, Nope, I don't care. I'm doing this for 10 minutes.
0: (laughs) Wow. Yeah. That's, that's so funny. It's, I don't, yeah, I don't think I've ever said no to a show once I'm there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've, I've encouraged putting old yeller down. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You know, like, But. But you know, if they, they go, oh, we're gonna do this show, you know, and it's like nobody's there. Then I'm like, maybe we, maybe we cancel it. But yeah, uh, but I, never I, like because of setup or anything.
1: I actually had the very first time in my career. This happened the last week in February. I was headlining a comedy club in um, Boise, and the club canceled the show after the feature, um, and I did not get on stage. It's the only time I've ever had that happen in my. I mean, this crowd was so rowdy. I mean, people were like walking ac- across the room to high five other people in the audience. And they were like, and they're also just, it was the late show on Saturday. And so there are only like 30 people there mm-hmm. and 20 of them were maniacs. And so it's like, well, you can't kick out 20 people. Like then there's no right. show anyways. And it wasn't even, like, these people weren't even all part of the same group. It's just something happened. And so, like, the manager legitimately tried. Like, going around and saying, hey, you guys got to be quiet. You got to be quiet. He even kicked out, like, one uh, group. Uh, and then it was just, like, he was, he was like, I want to cancel the show because if I don't, I'm going to, like, do or say something that I'm going to regret. Right. And I'm, like, I'm going to. I'm going to be a jerk or I'm going to punch somebody or I'm going to do something. Cause they're like, these people are maniacs and are not listening to any reason. And so he was like, if you're cool with it, I'm just ending the show. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I, did, get paid, I right?" was like, look, it, it's your club. I, you know, you're paying me. I will do it if you want me to do it because I'm a professional and, and I'm here, but if you want to cancel it, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I just want it to be your decision and not my decision. And he was like, yeah, I'm canceling it. And I was like, cool me. <laughs> like, these oh, people, that's funny. Yeah. It's the only time I've ever had that happen in my career.
0: Yeah. Huh. That's weird. Cause you know, uh, I don't get too too many rowdy shows. One of the, uh, one of the ones I was really nervous about was actually when I, I performed with you. Um, we went up to, I think it was pine top. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And yeah. Everyone I had talked to about performing there they're like, "Oh, you know, they don't <laughs> they don't like it. Uh, it was a an, an Indian reservation uh, and they're like they don't like white people. Uh they don't like, you know, black people. They don't like they don't yeah. like people. Like they're hostile and they they you know all these stories of like I was threatened that they were going to, you know, attack us after the show and all these sort of things and we didn't have that at all, but so yeah, I was really worried. Yeah, yeah. Going into that show, I was like, okay, because I mean I talked to like four or five different people who had done that room and they all said the same thing. And I was like, yeah. Okay, well this so I, I went in and I was like <laughs> I was like, This is gonna be gonna be weird and yeah. all right, hopefully it'll be okay. I, I I get a black belt, a secondary black belt, so I'm good. But
1: I don't know if you're like this, but I am like, I have a decent amount of confidence in myself. And this, believe me, this does not work out a lot of times. But even when comics in front of me are like doing poorly and the audience and the, and, and it's not really their fault, right? It's like, this show sucks. This audience sucks. I'm still like, yeah, but I'll get them. Yep. <laughs> right? I'm going to get them. And then oh, you're, and you're like, oh, no, I'm not going to get them. <laughs> <laughs> But I still feel like that before I go on stage, I'm like, I'll, I'll
0: find a way, you know. That's that's such a great, you know, it's so true. We we definitely you just have the thought of like, no, I can get them. Yeah, I I, I can get them. Like I I did one uh, last year where they had a club, uh, the they had a DJ in the, the downstairs, and the bass just kept going through during my set, and the crowd was angry. Yeah, and I was like, I'll get them. Yeah. You know, I don't get the nope. nope <laughs> I get the, it was one of the, it, it made like top three worst shows in my career, you know, wow. 20, 22 years in, you know, so it's yeah. like, it was, it was like that bad. But that again, that, that's not, there's some things you can control and there's some things you can't. You totally. Know? Like, that was one I couldn't. And uh it was. That was a, a brutal show. We are uh, talking with Grant Lyon, a stand-up comedian, uh, very, very funny. Uh, you can uh, follow Grant on Instagram at Grant Lyon L Y O N one on Instagram and YouTube.com/slash Grant Lyon L Y O N Grant Lyon. He also actually has a uh, stand-up uh, album out called Scheduled Fun Time available now. Where can they Where can they find that?
1: I mean, it is literally everywhere. It is on Spotify, it is on iTunes, it is on Apple Music, it is on Google Play, it is on SiriusXM, it is on, you know, I mean, anywhere you can find music, it is there available to stream or download or buy. Nice,
0: nice, nice, excellent. So so you've done a lot of weird shows. Um, (laughs) What's the weirdest place that you've ever performed? the weirdest
1: place I've ever performed boy you know some of it is like I mean that that nursing home was pretty weird right yeah yeah Uh, and and just was like well I just I don't know why they ever even thought comedy uh could work there you know um but i say, you know, the weirdest feeling place I've ever performed is these Zoom shows now. <laughs> weird. I yeah. The weirdest place I've ever performed, I can tell you, is recently I did a set from my shower on one of those Zoom shows. What? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I was like, these are like weird already. I might yeah. as well just lean into the weirdness. And so I did a set from in a shower. <laughs>
0: How do you? Uh, I mean, I I refuse to do them at this point, but I probably shouldn't because it's going to be a while. Yeah, totally. Uh, but uh, ex- explain to people what that's like from a comedian's perspective.
1: Well, you know, look, I will say it's better than nothing because I, you know, and I like the Zoom shows more than I like. I've also done some like. Uh, instagram live stream shows and, and i like the zoom ones more because there are actual people in it who are laughing and that sort of stuff mm-hmm. you know, the hard thing is is right it's impossible to have any timing because it's just like the laughs and the sound is cutting in and out and it's disjointed and you're and so you're like i'm gonna start it oh no okay people are still at okay now i'm gonna start a new bit you know like yeah there's a lot of like that um But I mean, you know, some people are doing it very well and and figuring out how to do it where they're like, okay, we've got 100 people in, we're setting their microphones to 20% so you can hear laughter, but it's not overwhelming and they're not taking over and we're muting people who are talking or washing their dishes or something like that, you know. Um, But you are just doing it to your computer wherever you are uh, and... So I was, uh, my family has a cabin up in, uh, uh, Lake Arrowhead and legitimately the shower has decent lighting. And I was like, screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to do a set from in the shower because it's decent lighting right here. But
0: that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, you know, for me anyway, I think if there, there, there is a way, cause I've watched a couple of my friends do zoom shows just to, you know, cause we like watching other people's miseries. Um, <laughs> And, you know, like there was one dude that was just like laying on a bed watching them like this, just yeah, on arms folded. So that's the thing, too. Like in Zoom, you can see who's – you can really see who's watching you. Totally. Uh, you know, and, it's the
1: same as with an audience, though, right? It's like yeah. sometimes we focus on the one person who is not liking us instead of the 50 who are, and you just got to do that in Zoom, too.
0: You yeah, know? that's true. It's true. Okay. But it's just you just see somebody laying on their bed just kind of like, It was kind of weird to me, so I was like, "All right, well." But I think if there was a way they could um, figure out how to run the audio from each channel or each camera into, like, through a board or something, yeah, 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 um, so that it comes out as one source, then then it would be totally fine because you know you just have that laughter because that's really all it is is the laughter. It doesn't matter if you're playing to a camera or. Yeah, people. But uh, I mean, it helps. You know, when you you do as many shows as we do, that you you know have people that you can interact with. But for sure, it, it's it's really the audio that that destroys that rhythm. And so, if somebody's laughing, then the cameras overlap and they cut out, and you can only really hear like one camera at a time. And uh,
1: so, I, I think if yeah. there's
0: some way to figure that out, then that'll be a really really good experience for everybody. Yeah, for sure. But, that's, that's the hope, anyway. Um, so how do you deal with hecklers?
1: You know, this one is, the, the longer you get into comedy, the more you realize that, like, hecklers aren't the same, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, the right, there's, there's the drunk heckler. There's the, like, wants to be the center of attention heckler. There's the, like, positive supportive heckler. Like, all of these different things require different tacks, right, with each one of them. If it's that, like, I want to be the center of attention heckler, if you, like, make fun of them and get laughs and break them down, then they'll shut up because they're like, oh, I don't have a microphone. I mean, look, it's hard for a heckler to win against a comic because a comic is on stage with a microphone. So we have an advantage. So it's kind of like don't try because you have – you're going to – you know, I'm starting on third base here. You know what I mean? yeah. (laughs) Uh I find the hardest ones to deal with are the positive hecklers. The ones that are like, Yes, so true. Oh, that's so funny. And you're like, okay. I mean it's very nice that you like this, but you also are ruining the timing of it. Right? Because if, if somebody, you know, yells out, boring, and you're like, you can. Launch into them and right. get a bunch of laughs and they're gonna shut up. Right. When somebody's like, This is so funny, you can't be like, shut up, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you seem like the jerk, right? Right. So those are the hardest ones to deal with. And and you know, sometimes it's like I, I kind of try to tease them. I you know, but do it in like a playful way, where it's like where they're like. Oh, that's so true. And you're like, I know, that's why I'm telling it. <laughs> that's why everybody's laughing because it's true. That's what jokes are. <laughs> you know, and you try to just do it in like a not a mean way, but like a playful way where they're like, oh, okay, he gets it. Like, I don't have to say something every time. Right. There are very, there's, I mean, I try to stay fairly playful. In general, there are rare times when I like really light into somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and quite honestly, because I'm a try to be like a good human being and a friendly person and a caring individual. And there have been a few times on stage where I've like surprised even myself where I'm like, oh, I didn't know that was in me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> you know? Where like one time, One time it was, you know, I was headlining uh, a sort of newer comics showcase at Flappers Comedy Club. And so, you know, a lot of the other people were probably under two years in comedy and that sort of stuff. And then they... Had somebody more experience, like doing 20 minutes to close it out so people you know, leave happy regardless of what. And some of the people on the showcase were really good, and some of them worked at all, and that's just kind of what happens, and that's totally fine. And uh, I was messing around. You know, it was a fairly playful audience, and I was messing around um, like halfway through my set. I was like, okay, which punchline do you like better? Here's the setup. This punchline or this punchline? Like, you know. Just being playful about it, but like still doing a joke. And one of the comics that was on the show yelled out, next joke. And it was like, I mean, it it made me lose my mind because it was like, yo, you are a cop. Like, yeah. I might forgive an audience member for doing that, but you want to be a cop. And I just like laid into the dude. And, And my friend who was uh, there was like, afterwards was like, boy, I've never seen you. (laughs) I've never seen you go for the jugular like that. And I was doing it funny, but I was doing it angry, right? Right. Right. angry about it. And it just like, it made me stab in the moment where I was like, are you kidding me, dude? And then just like (laughs) laying into him. And it was like, well, I try not to do that very often because like afterwards, I didn't feel good about it, right? I'm like, well, I'm... hope that guy's all right like he didn't (laughs) deserve that you know but
0: but again it's it's one thing if it's an audience member that doesn't know better but when it's a comedian it's like what are you doing
1: yeah i don't think i would have done that if it was an audience member yeah you know yeah
0: because yeah as someone who's up there and goes through that like the last thing you want are comics just who know what's going on to to deliberately make things worse
1: and I was doing very well on stage. Like Mm. it wasn't like I was doing poorly, I was doing well and even that dumb like, which punchline do you like, was doing well and then he yells out next, and I'm like, what, who the F are you,
0: you know? (laughs) Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. Um, Well that kind of leads into, uh, what advice do you have for comedians? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My biggest
1: advice is try not to lose perspective because no matter where you are in your career, there are a lot of people behind you that wish they were just where you are. We have so much of a tendency to look to the people that are above us, right? Of like, oh, I want what they have. We forget to pay attention to all the people that just wish they were where we we are. And I think keeping that kind of perspective helps you, like, um, prevent getting bitter, and it helps you keep the joy of, of comedy alive for yourself. I mean, we've all done a show with a guy who's 30 years in and is just like, I got one foot on stage and one foot in the grave and all these these comics coming up. They don't know. It's it's like, well, it's just because that person is so caught up in what other people got that they didn't get, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I would like a late night set. I would like a half hour comedy central special. I am working towards those things. And there is part of me that is jealous of my friends who have gotten those things. But do you know how many thousands and thousands of comedians in this country just wish they could headline a comedy club, you mm-hmm. know, where they're not thinking about the comedy specials and the, and so it's like, okay, I got to be grateful for what I have because there are so many people that, that are just still looking up to where I am. And and I think really try to keep that perspective.
0: That's great. That is the first time I've heard that is fantastic advice, dude. That's really good advice cuz it's so true. You know, so how many people would would kill just to be a working comic making a living. Yeah, exactly. You know, just just totally on stand up, you know, full-time comedy yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, that's really really good advice. Um, I'm going to ask you uh for any funny audience stories. Uh I mean, you've told us a few already. I don't know if you have any left. Uh or we could just go into the 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 organization uh spotlight okay. if you want.
1: I'll tell you. uh, I'll tell you just this one little snippet. The heckle I ever saw from an audience member was not even at me. It was uh, another comic was on stage. He was. uh, He was a bald man, and uh, and he wasn't doing great on stage. And he tried to ask. He tried to like you know do some audience, just some crowd work. And this guy in the audience yelled out. You're so bald, I can see your dumb thoughts through your skull. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in the back like, boy, how you're do done. you get back from that? Yeah, you're, do done. You're, so funny? you're done.
0: You're done. You're done. Yeah. Over. Uh, yeah. That's over. That, that's hysterical. We were talking with uh, Grant Lion, a uh, stand-up comedian. You can follow Grant on Insta- uh, Instagram at Lion one and you can check out his YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Grant Lyon. Uh, his comedy album, Schedule Fun Time, is available now everywhere, anywhere. Uh, check that out. And um, I want to thank you for coming on, Bob. Bu- bu- yeah. Bu- before we get that. Uh, there was an organization you you were, we were talking about that you wanted to spotlight. And I was wondering if you tell us a little bit about uh, The People Concern.
1: Yeah. So The People Concern is mostly located in Southern California. And they're doing – they're really – leading um, the charge to help the homeless population that we have um, in Los Angeles. I don't know how often you, um, you know, or whether your listeners are in Los Angeles, but Los Angeles has a, a, you know, a big homeless situation right now. And, you know, a lot of these people are, they just need help, right? They're not bad people or anything. I, I get a little, one of the things I hate the most from comics is when comics have homeless people jokes and it's like really you like their life has already been hard and and they need you to make fun of them like it it just feels like so much of a punching down thing mm-hmm. and the best comedy to me is punching up um and so you know the the people concern has multiple um housing um locations where they're helping people um with short term shelters but then they're also helping people um, get long-term housing and they're helping people get long-term jobs and, and stuff like that. And I have uh, volunteered with them a bunch. Uh, you know, I, I do a silly thing with them where I go and I do um, bingo, ice cream Sunday bingo um, at some of their locations. And it's like, look, they've got a lot of people doing the like serious work. So maybe I can just help bring a little joy uh, to yeah. some of these folks for a little bit. And it's really fun to like do the ice cream, Sunday, bingo and stuff like that. Um, but they're, they're a great organization. That's, um, that's really doing a lot for the homeless population.
0: Excellent. And so if people are interested, they can check out, uh, the That's thepeopleconcern.org. Uh, sounds like a, an amazing organization and, um, you know, absolutely. Uh, they need, they need, you know, there's so many homeless people, and uh, we we can do just a little bit goes such a long way for, yeah. for those. And I will say they
1: don't just also do homeless uh, stuff. They they help um, women uh, get out of uh, abusive homes to give them short-term places before they can find something else. So it's not just homeless stuff. They're helping a lot of people. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. yeah.
0: So uh, I encourage everyone to check out uh, the peopleconcerned.org um and and give and donate if you can um we're gonna wrap up in just a minute but i want to say a, a big thank you again to all the the viewers and the listeners for watching a special thank you to to grant lyon uh for coming on and telling us all about uh your career and your, your thoughts and your your process and uh and shedding some light on uh, the people concerned and dude uh, i i love i love working with you and i i I can't wait to work with you again soon. Yeah, I know. Hopefully hopefully, hopefully
1: sooner rather than later. Thank you, guys. This was a really fun uh, conversation, so thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, my pleasure, and uh, we'll see you all again really soon. Thank you.